And he gave me an affirmative nod. And I said, my mom is Gertrude. And he gave me another affirming nod. And I said, well, do you know her? And he said, yes. And I said, well, did you date her? And he said, yes. And I said, are you my father? And he said, yes. And so then I had to sit down. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 173. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Price. Hello, Dr. Price. Hi, Lily. So nice to finally meet you. It is nice to finally meet you too. I've been anxiously waiting to talk with you. This is so great. Are you are you someone that identifies as an NPE? Yes. Okay. I I did glance briefly at a website for you because you have a bit of a social media presence and I saw that I saw the word empathy come up immediately. So I'm I don't know anything about your personal story, but I hope if you get a chance today you can explain a little bit about the work that you do in empathy as well. And I'm sorry, I'm not sure what your line of work is. No, absolutely. My MPE story is critical to the empathy work I do, I think. Really? Yeah. That's great. So why don't we go ahead and start at the beginning so we get a feel for your backstory. Why don't you tell me about your your original family, your raising family, who was in it, and, and a bit about what that was like? Yeah, so I'm the sixth child of seven children born to my mom and dad who were married for 28 years until he died on my 10th birthday. And I know that people are not supposed to say that they have a favorite child, but I always felt like I was my dad's favorite child. And in my young, inexperienced way, I think I got there because he pretty much let me do whatever I wanted. Never a strong disciplinarian towards me. And his family was actually over the top in terms of their personality. And I am the only extrovert amongst a bunch of introverted siblings and parents. And so that's what my life was like. You know, after I my 10th birthday, I grew up with just my mom and my brother right above me and my little sister. And I would always joke that I must have a different dad because I'm just so different from all of my siblings. But Lily, it was a joke. I was never serious. You had no idea this was coming. I had no idea this was coming. So much so when I was in my early 30s, both my mom and my dad are are deceased. And right before my mom died, I had I had a fight with my middle sister about something. I don't remember what. And I was seriously looking at my mom. And I said, I have to have a different dad because I do not act anything like any of my siblings. And I was looking at her with a serious face 
but only because I was looking for her to give me an explanation for why I was different, not because I thought she was going to tell me I had a different dad. And that is so ridiculous for me to think about now. But then I really didn't think I had a different father. There's no way. I just wasn't there. And so when I had my DNA discovery, I was shocked is really the only only word I have. Did you find out from her or from a test? From a test. So I'd been in Ancestry.com for 10 years. I joined in 2012. And I, my purpose was to learn about ethnicity. So when I saw all the different countries in Africa that I was from, I started following social media accounts from Togo and Benin and Cameroon and Nigeria. That was my reason. As far as family matches went, I built my own tree. So I spent 10 years building my tree because I knew my family in my mind. I never even noticed that under people who were on my dad's side that it said, you have no genetic match to this person. I never noticed that. And I think there's a disclaimer that says there could be a good reason for this or something like that. But I never thought anything of it. I just put my tree together, 10 years worth of census records, death and marriage records. There was a lot on my tree. And in 2022, January, I was one of my nieces actually took the ancestry DNA test and she's my niece. And when I, she said, auntie, you need to add me to your tree. Well, this is the first time I ever clicked on family or matches so I could find her. And it said she was my second closest match. My son was my closest match. And it said uh, that she was my first cousin or my half niece. So this is how much it was outside of the realm of my thinking that I had a different dad is I immediately went with first cousin and assumed that my oldest sister, who was 14 years my senior, was my mom. I was like, oh, my sister is my mom. That's how my niece is my first cousin and not my niece. I call my sister and I, you know, some pleasantries. And then I said, hey, are you my mom? And her answer is what let me know right away. Because instead of saying yes or what are you talking about, she took a deep breath and she goes, I'm not your mother. And then I said, well, if Tasha's not my first cousin, it's saying she's my half niece. Half nieces, child of half sibling. So then I still did not think it was me. My sister hung up and I'm in my head going, how do I know who has a different dad? We got to take sibling DNA test. And then it just, I'm driving down the road and my oldest brother, whose daughter this is, he sounds like my father. He's shaped like my father. When I hug him, I feel my father. And that's when it was like, it's you. You're the one with the different dad. And that was in January. That was in January of 2022. And I knew that my siblings knew something, but they weren't talking. And both my parents were dead. And so I went on a four-month excursion by myself trying to find out who was my biological father. And I was failing miserably because if you don't know what you're looking at, none of these things make sense. And somebody introduced me to the DNA angels in a support group. And they found my paternal grandparents in one day. 
which means that they knew that my dad had to be one of four brothers. And my closest match was an aunt's granddaughter. I didn't have a really close match on my on my father's on my biological father's side. That's hard. Yes. And it was a hard case. I'm glad they took it because I was bare I barely met the threshold. And interestingly enough, once I had that information, I called my middle sister because the children the siblings I grew up with were really struggling with this and not not really helping me at all. But my middle sister did take my call. And I told her that I was just going to start at the oldest brother and work my way down. That's, I mean, other logical ways there to go about it. But the oldest brother had already died and he just had one daughter. And I said, this would be traumatic for her if not true, um, because it's going to take a while for us to figure out it's not true. So if you know anything, tell me. And that's when she told me that my parents broke up for a year, uh, the year I was conceived And when they got back together, my mom was already pregnant with me and I was born like a couple months later. So therefore, my siblings who were 14, 13, 12 and nine at the time all remember (laughs) that everybody at the church remembers all of my aunts and uncles remember I was the only person who did not know this information. And I was too intent on finding my biological father at the moment to be angry. So I went, I had someone help me find him because my sister did give me a name once I said that to her. And I walked into a nursing home and basically was for the first time in my life looking at my face on the face of somebody else because I don't look like my mom. And I asked him, I said, well, first I I didn't know if his brain worked because he's in a nursing home. So I didn't know anything about him, really. And I just said, "Um, I'm Nicole. And he gave me an affirmative nod. And I said, my mom is Gertrude. And he gave me another affirming nod. And I said, well, do you know her? And he said, yes. And I said, well, did you date her? And he said, yes. And I said, are you my father? And he said, yes. Oh, wow. And so then I had to sit down, obviously. And he had a picture of me in his wallet from when I was like seven or so. And when I asked him when was the last time he'd seen me, he said, you know, you were probably eight. And I was confused. Like, I don't remember him. I don't remember any conversations about him. But he and my mom met each other at work uh, during the breakup and it sounds like the most beautiful love story. There's no way to corroborate it with my with my mom. But according to him, they kept seeing each other for about 10 years until my dad was sick and in the hospital and my mom stopped c- coming to work to care for him. And then they split. And my dad had already always said that he was going to raise me as his own child. And so my biological father had no space in that relationship. and. He can't really answer why he never did come to see about me or find out about me. His recollection is just that he assumed that one day somebody would tell me and I would show up. And he's 78. Your dad, again, he died when you were 10 years old on your 10th birthday, right? That's correct. correct. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, And your biological father, he he knew he was still with your mom. He knew your, your dad died. He, I don't know if he knew my dad died, but he certainly knew my dad had gotten really sick. 
And the hard part of the story that I've had to just release is that my biological father, my mom always lived in the same house till she died in 2011. So I wouldn't have been hard to find. Right. And so it is interesting because I cannot imagine that I would never try to go find my own son, right? Like it's hard for me to imagine that, but he's the nicest person that you can imagine. So it's kind of hard to be mad at him and has the most gentle spirit. We do not have the same personality, but there are these interesting little quirks My best friend and I, we go visit each other. She lives in Florida. And when we visit each other's homes, we each have a writer. It's just a funny little joke between us. Like, you know, make sure you have this kind of water and, you know, (laughs) want my sheets pressed. I mean, just ridiculous (laughs) things on our writer just to be funny. And one of the things on my writer is I want bar soap, Dove, original scent, not the liquid, uh, please. And she always accommodates me. Well, one day he was complaining. My biological father was complaining about the soap in the nursing home. And I said, well, what kind of soap do you want? I'll bring some soap. And he's like, oh, no, it's not that big of a deal. And I said, what kind of soap do you want? I can bring you soap. And he goes, I like Dove soap, the bar, the regular scent, not the liquid kind. Even in the same order, I say it. And I just kind of sat back and stared at him. Because I've never, I don't know this guy. He's a stranger, but there are all these little weird idiosyncrasies that are just genetic. My son is 5'10". My dad was 6'4". And we could never quite figure out why my son was 5'10". And my my biological father is 5'10". They wear the exact same size shoe. My son is into jujitsu and Muay Thai. Uh, My biological father was a boxer. Um... I love science and math. I'm an engineer by degree. My son studied economics and math. My dad, my my biological father went to college and studied engineering. Well, not engineering, but math. And so it's just, I always thought I was first generation college. Um, I thought I was just a unique entrepreneur in the family when none of those things are really true. You know, my biological father's family is all those things. That's does your bi- your biological father is is still alive, right? Seventy eight, you said. He is still alive. Yeah, I just saw him yesterday. Does he have other children? I am his only child. Really? And I am the person who goes to see him the most. So we've been good for each other in that way. Um, we don't talk about much because he's not much of a talker. He too is an introvert, <laughs> which is fascinating. Um, so there are things that you get from nature, I think, because of the Price family was just so boisterous and. I'm absolutely that. But yeah, I think you were asking about my empathy work before now. I, I think I just taught leadership. And you, I don't think you can be a good leader without being empathetic and inclusive and all those wonderful things. But this discovery was one of the first times that I felt the range of human emotion, like pure anger, almost rage thinking about the fact that people had lied to me and betrayed me. I was furious. I'd also felt the deepest blue emotions, depression, loneliness, sadness. Um, I was really happy to meet him, but I was confused in a way that I'd never been confused before. And that was important for me because I used to tell people not to get over things. I wouldn't say it that way, but I 
just used to think, oh, if you're angry, there was this quote I used to repeat. It's like drinking rat rat poison and expecting the other person to die. Like I would say these things like, you know, practice mindfulness to get over your sadness or, you know, make sure you're getting sun or working out or eating well to get over your depression. And now I have a deeper understanding of people suffering. And because of that, I think it has made me a better leader. It has helped me to understand that, yeah, leadership is empathetic, but none of the things that we're trying to do from a human condition will work without empathy. Um, And I met him right in the middle of writing a book about empathy called Spark the Heart. And I don't think I would have been as credible, honestly, without experiencing the range of human emotions. Now I understand what certain things feel like personally. And I didn't before. I'm nodding along this. We happen to have video on right now, so people can't see it. But I've been nodding along this whole time because that is how I felt too with finding out my NPE. And you said the range of emotions you went through. And I'm like, yes, I too, now that I have felt all these things, I completely change how what I say now. I used to I used to believe believe one of those, you know, oh let go of anger, let go of I feel very differently now. I mean everyone has their own path, but mm-hmm. very differently now that I've experienced this and and have felt these feelings myself. Yeah. And I think you are a beautiful person. I don't know you well, but I can feel your energy even through the airwaves. And I just believe now that beautiful people don't just happen. There's you have to crack open. <laughs> a bit. And now it's almost as if people see something stamped across my forehead that says, tell me when you're in trouble, um, because I'm here to at least listen. I might mm-hmm. not be able to help, but I can listen. And I was not that person before. I just wasn't. This book, I'm going to put a link for this. It's called Spark the Heart. Spark the Heart. And when I started writing it, it was for organizations. So the subtitle is Engineering Empathy in Your Organization. But organizations are nothing but places where people work. And the most beautiful responses have has been from individual people saying how it's helped them to lead a more empathetic life. Because also as part of this journey, What was interesting is I know there are different MPE experiences and some people, you know, have narcissistic mothers. I have no idea how my mother would have responded because she's dead. So when I don't know, I fill it in with positive. Just that's just my way. But I remember having a discussion on one of the support uh, group sites and a gentleman called my mom a whore. And I remember thinking, oh, that's odd that, you know, he would characterize her in that way, but he doesn't know the story. And so if someone doesn't know who their their child's father is, then I guess maybe you might say that, I guess. But in this particular case, there was a really good reason why my mom and my dad broke up. And during that time, she found peace and safety in the arms of my biological father. And I'm grateful for that for her. And so I opened the book with the story about who she is or who she was to me still all these years. And I'm still getting used to saying saying was (laughs) who my mother was to me, because I thought it's important that people know that if I were her 30 years old, 
with five kids and not feeling safe, um, that maybe I would have fallen into the arms of some guy at work too, especially considering as kind as my biological father is. I can absolutely understand how it would happen. And so I wanted people to know her more holistically. So the book opens with a, a story about my mom and how much empathy she had for people. And I thought that was really, really important. And I think I understand too people whose story is not that, where their moms still deny or maybe won't give them information or gaslight them. But it's because my heart has broken open. And, and let's just go there for a second because I, you know, I've heard of all sorts of moms too on this show, but occasionally I get an, uh, an NPE or a late discovery person with a DNA surprise and they will talk about um, their mom having a love story or a connection with their biological father. And um, that's always tricky sometimes to go there because people will immediately think cheating, wrong, bad. So sometimes I just don't go there, but I do off occasionally I hear these stories where I'm like, well, maybe, maybe your mom got something that she needed in that moment. And even now I'm even nervous bringing it up because I'm imagining the hate mail, but <laughs> it's, it's yeah. true. Sometimes, sometimes people need these connections and they do fall in love. And yes, yeah. and, you know, the hardest thing for me to say, Lily, but I think now is the best time for me to say it. Lewis Price, my dad, was my hero. When I think back to my childhood, he was the person who took me to school. He always let me ride my bike over to his mom's house. And many times my mother would say no. He let me go with him to work. He let me play on his CB radio. He let me eat all the candy I wanted. <laughs> like he just took me with him to the baseball park. My dad was my hero. I was mortified when he died because I remember feeling like I was going to be left with people who didn't really center me. So to learn that my mom was not safe with him was traumatic for me. That was the biggest grief moment of all of this. It wasn't finding out he wasn't my dad. It was finding out he could drink too much and become an absolute monster. And so when she left with her five children and was hidden from him for a year, I'm thinking about she's still going to work every day. And this man, she's the cook and he's the baker. They're right beside each other. And everyone I've ever met who's known him in his previous life describes my biological father as the nicest person they've ever met. Now, maybe there's other stuff about him that I don't know. I, there's no way for me to know that unless he tells me, but I can only imagine if it were me, I probably would have done the same thing. And when she got back with my father, my dad, did she want to, or was she scared to do anything else? I don't know. I can't ask her anymore, but from the stories, it sounds like she was maybe scared to do anything else. And she was finding safety, love, and peace at work. And I am a love child. And people can think whatever they want to think about that, but it explains almost everything about my personality. Love child. So when your mom got back with Lewis Price, your dad, she had the five children. She was pregnant with you. 
I, I know you don't know the full story here, but do you think your dad, I mean, your dad knew she was pregnant with another man's child? Okay, yes. You're nodding yes. She knew that you were not his child. Yeah. Okay. And let's just be clear. Everybody knew. They were pretty much separated for a year. Um, no contact, it sounds like, because he didn't even know where she was. And when they got back together, she was at least five months, if not seven months pregnant with me. I was born like two months later. So when I say everyone knew, that's hyperbole in that not, I mean, that's not possible, but everyone in my church growing up, all of my aunts and uncles, my brothers and sisters, the people on my street, like I, when I found out and, and found out who he was, then people started to talk. And people would say things like, I would have told you if you asked me. Well, how would I know to ask you that? Yeah. The way my forehead is shaped, the way my hair is textured, everything about me is him. Mm-hmm. So I don't have not looked like anybody my entire life until I had my own child. And it's there's something to be said, even if you don't relationship, to be able to look at somebody else and see your own face. It it made me feel like I belonged, like I wasn't losing my mind because, uh, you know, I'm a considerate <laughs> person oftentimes or, yeah, I've always felt like the the odd person out. I wrote a different book about that um, that, that, I need to, that I need to write a sequel to. It's, it's <laughs> the title's a little funny. It's The Holy Educated Motherfucker. I don't know if you can even say that on a podcast. Yes, you can. I love it. <laughs> It's the filtered free guide to overcoming the unthinkable. I, my siblings were the ones who gave me that name to give you a sense for how different I felt. And this is just my story, right? You can, they can tell their story from their perspective. This is how I saw it, that I was the odd person out and I've spent my life just embracing, well, this is who I am. Like this is, (laughs) this is who I am, the different one. And so there's something to be said for finding out why. You're the different one. You got real genetic mirroring when you met your your biological father. Yes. This secret that every which is just shocking that everyone, even the church, the neighbors, the the family knew. I feel that had to have affected, um, especially your. I'm thinking of your siblings right now. It did, it appears your raising dad still treated you beautifully and even favored you. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I thought my oldest sister was my mom was because I spent all my time with her growing up, which I don't think is unusual when you have older siblings. But like, even if you think about professional photographs and who taught me how to cook and all that, it was my oldest sister. So with she's my mom first. And when I made that phone call, one of the things that slipped out was, well, you were with me all the time because mom told me to keep you away from dad. Hmm. And my response was, well, why would mom tell you to keep me away from my own father? And that's when she pretty much hung up. And so what I've been able to piece together is it took Lewis Price a little while to come around. But once he did, he did. Yeah. How much older is your the sister that, you're, that you speak of? 14 years older than me. Oh, wow. uh, and so pictures and things that I'm talking about all the way until she was 18. Till she left. Uh, I don't have any pictures with my mom. They're all with my sister. And so I thought, but it, she was basically protecting me from my dad. And so that, I think that's what I mean when I say it was 
traumatic for sure to find out he wasn't my dad. The bigger tragedy for me was finding out he was not my hero in the way that I had perceived. Mm. Um, because think about it, if he died on my 10th birthday and it took him three years to kind of come around and then he was in the hospital for a couple of years before that, we're, my memory is really of four years of my life. And was he different when your mom went back to him? So I thought so, because I don't remember any abuse, but from the stories, no, that I must have just be pushing it down in my head that he was a great father to me, but a horrible husband to my mom. Mm. And when I consider my siblings, there have been people who've said they're trying to protect my mother. And I don't think so. I don't think my mother needs protecting. Everybody knew I had a different dad. I think they're trying to protect my dad's story because even I have a hard time telling it. Yeah, that is really hard when you love someone so much and then you hear horror stories about how they can be to someone else. It's hard because you feel a natural need to protect them. And at the same time, you have to acknowledge in some way that they have this other side of them. And the behavior is not okay in any way. Uh, I just, if there were any one wish I had, I wish I could talk to my parents. Now, what would you, what kind of a, what kind of questions would you ask them or what kind of conversation would you want to have with them? I think my question would be a statement. Describe to me what happened as you see it. And then my second question would be, help me understand how you landed on that the truth is not important to me. Because the people who told me it's important to be honest lied. Yes, a lie of omission, but still lie. And so help me. I need, I need help with that. I, I would love to have them share their perspective about why, you know, why not tell me when my dad died? Not, why not tell me at least when I turned 18? Maybe when I had my own child and he had some interesting skin condition that we didn't know where it was coming from. If my mom didn't tell me, perhaps when my mom died and the differences between me and my siblings were front and center, maybe somebody would have said something then. I just want to hear, because my siblings still won't talk, not about this. I want to understand how did we land on I did not need to know. Yeah. Your siblings, if they knew when mom, you know, mom's pregnant, go back to dad I wonder if they were told explicitly, you know, let's not talk about this, or if it was just kind of one of those family secrets where just people didn't talk about it and we, baby's born and we go about life as usual. I suppose you don't know because you're not, your siblings won't talk to you about it. They won't talk to me about it, but I will tell you that uh, what I've heard them say to me overtly is, it doesn't matter. Louis Price was your dad. Mm -hmm. And like, why are you, why are you talking about this? And I feel deeply that we are only as sick as our secrets. And for that reason, I try not to, this is an important part of who I am. And my biological father is still alive. He loves it when I come to see him. I've got an entire fan club at the nursing home. It's good for me. And I think the heart expands to make space for other people. And so listening to stories on your podcast and hearing about other people's stories of rejection when they finally find their parents, uh, I'm grateful. Oh, and and what joy for him to have his daughter in his life, especially at this age of, of his life. 
I can't believe he's known about you your whole life. He's known about me my whole life. And I was not a secret in his circles. I just, mm-hmm. a man named Kevin at an event I took him to. And Kevin didn't even know who I was until I was introduced. And he said, oh my gosh, you're his daughter. The last time he saw you, you were about seven, right? He used to talk about you all the time. Wow. When you get together with your siblings, mm-hmm. or I suppose even probably your cousins and extended family know, is this just something you don't talk about? One of those kind of things? Yeah. it's was odd for me at first to go to Price family events because I felt like they were going above and beyond to act like everything was fine. But then I finally realized they've probably been doing that the whole time. And I just noticed that's (laughs) that's just who they are, making sure that I feel, you know, loved and supported. Uh, Now, my siblings, I've only been to a couple of family events with my siblings. And the tension in the air is so high that I don't go anymore. Um, I'm hoping that changes. But as of right now, that's where it is. I still have not talked to my oldest sister. So now we're going on a year and a little over a year and a half. Um, she hung up that day and I've not talked to her again since. If I When I see her, she avoids me. So my heart is open and I believe that uh, no matter how people behave, what they're doing makes total sense to them. I believe that. And so I hope she comes around. But for now, that's where we are. And you said you were the sixth of seven children. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So now what about the seventh child? That is definitely a price child. Well, now I can say definitely because she and I did a sibling DNA test and she okay. is my half sibling too. Okay. We were kind of hoping because of the timeline that because she's seven years my junior. So she would have been during that 10 year relationship. I think which is also has given me more empathy because I was now in the shoes of people who had to decide if they're going to keep a secret or not. And I thought about it. I thought, do I tell her that she might have a different dad and completely ruin her life? Because this has been ruinous in many ways. It it shakes up your entire identity. But now I understand what it's like to be in the, in the shoes of the person who's holding the secret and has to decide if they're going to say or not. And I've chosen to be, I'm going to call it hypocritical if I would have done anything else. How could I be mad at people for not telling me, but then not tell my sister? Yeah. So I told her and we, I was very gentle when I told her and we said that it, the results did not matter and we, she doesn't live in my state, but I sent the test to her after putting my sample in and the results came back so quickly that we were also half siblings and I was distraught and so was she. So it didn't matter. We, we wanted to be full siblings. Yeah. But she looks like a price. She acts like a price. Mm-hmm. I think we were both just kind of hoping that maybe. Because mm. my dad died when she was so young that she never really had a father. So I think she was also maybe looking forward to that experience. And sh- so she was probably the only other one besides you that didn't know the secret. That's correct. Mm. And my brother right above me would have only been four. So he didn't know either. But okay. the, the other four did. Wow. To keep the secret that long. And to think that there's at least two dozen people. I've never known people to be able to keep a secret like that. Yeah, really. What have you found helpful for since finding out this DNA discovery? What what sort of process have you had to go through? Yeah, so my hair started to fall out. And I thought, 
that it was because I had gotten this interesting pink color because I like to dye my hair lots of different colors. And I just assumed that it didn't like pink. (laughs) And but then I thought I was having appendicitis and I went to the emergency room and they ran a whole bunch of tests and they're like, we don't see anything wrong with you. And that's when I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm having an anxiety attack and it's showing up as pain in my stomach. And that's when I was like, okay, I have got to find some coping strategies. This was before I found my biological father, when I was looking for four months. And so I, first of all, gave myself permission to feel. Instead of holding it in and trying to tell myself I wasn't angry, I felt the full range of emotion. And I wrote about the anger I was feeling. It was scary. If you're not a person who deals in those red emotions, that's a scary place to be, you know, because I've told my li- myself my whole life, let it go. But you have to give yourself permission to feel and you've got to find ways to express that because I've learned that repressed emotions are going to come out, just not at the time you want them to. That's one. I think being very deliberate about getting sun, going to see my therapist, eating real food, mostly plants, not too much. And I don't numb and I'm not judging it. I just, for me, I'm not drinking and smoking or any of that. I'm just doing what it is I need to do in order to heal. The people who made these decisions are dead pretty much, except for Mr. Richardson. And he's not a huge talker. Mr. Richardson, that was the first time I used his name. That's what I call my biological father. But yeah, I just am really practicing self-care, things we know we need to do anyway, but things that I think are even more important when you have a DNA discovery and it disrupts your entire life. I've also practiced gratitude. I've helped another dozen people find their people now that I know what matches are and and that can be helpful. And I started responding to emails people had sent me years ago that I just didn't even know were in there. So that's been nice. Um, I sit on the board for the DNA Angels. Really? Yes. And I advise them on things that I think would help them be better because without them, I wouldn't have found him. There's no way. I love that. I'll make sure and link the DNA Angels. You've mentioned them a couple of times. They're a good group. (laughs) Yeah, I like I like I like them. They were also so gentle with me cuz I needed gentleness. Yeah. They did just lop off all the prices from my that tree I built 10 years building. That's important to talk about. Watching that happen was pretty traumatic too. Yeah. But they had to do that to clean up the data so that they could find who was my paternal father. Yeah. Because people can go on Ancestry, like you said, for years ago and build these trees without any, it's just what you think. It's just, it's in your head. It's not actual DNA matches though. That's correct. And so there's now they're on my tree, but connected to, I guess, my stepfather. So my father growing up is my stepfather. Someone mentioned that to me. I'm so hard to wrap my head around that. Yes. It's hard to it's hard to even think of you're like, okay, what is my relationship to him? Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh that's been interesting. But I'm also grateful that I didn't have to have all these new siblings to get to know because I don't know how that would be either. Yeah. I've listened to some stories on your podcast and I'm grateful that I didn't have I just my relationship is with him and him alone. Mm. And you and do you live close to him since you're visiting him frequently? It's about twenty minutes from a house. Not wow. too bad. Yeah. Do you remember ever meeting him as a kid? 
I don't remember anything about him at all. Mm. <laughs> Nothing. I'm glad to hear he's in your life now. Yeah, it's nice. Dr. Price, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? They can reach me on my personal brand website, drnicoleprice.com. I'm also on the DNA Angels website as a board member, dnaangels.org. I will link those down below if you're looking at the show description of whatever podcasting platform you're looking at. Normally, you scroll down and you will see the links for the resources we mentioned, the books, the websites. And Dr. Price, I just appreciate you coming on today and sharing your whole story and and everything you've been through. So, So thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us. Thank you.